Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This is the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. I am Coach Manaman. Thank you for listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. For the latest news and notes and baseball content from the tri-state area, find us on social media, Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Coach Manaman on Twitter. Welcome back to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. As always, this is everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, and today we're joined by who some would say may be one of the greatest all-around athletes to come out of our city, former senior Ram great, former University of Dubuque Spartan great, and the former head varsity coach of the senior Rams. We welcome Coach Tim Felderman to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Welcome, Coach. Thanks a lot, Nick. Appreciate you having me. We're going to start off with an audience question here from Jeff Sawyer. He wants to know, do you give credit for all your success to your independent league teammates? And tell us a little bit about your upbringing with baseball through the independent league. Well, those were always some fun days, you know, playing in an independent league and playing leisure services, which at the time was up at uh, bats up there too, but um, with Jeff and with all the friends that you're going to school with or going to, you know, opposite schools, but you get a chance to play with them. So playing with the White Sox and Brewers in independent league was always a good time for me. Um, kind of at the same time, I was also playing for St. Donatus. So for me, it was always trying to, you know, play as much baseball as I could and you know, getting a lot of games in in the summer. That's how I was too growing up. I played in the Independent League and the Asbury League, just trying to play as much baseball as possible. After the uh, Independent League, you went on to prep at senior high school. What were some of your greatest memories that you experienced while you were at senior, team-wise and then individual-wise? Well, I'd say, you know, team-wise are senior year we had a you know good group of seniors and we started the season really slow we started the season three and 12 and i remember we finished the season uh you know 12 and three so then getting into the tournament and you know we got to the sub-state final and all of a sudden got beat by waterloo west who went up winning the state that year um but in a close game they beat us i think like seven to five or something like that but um for me you know just, you know, playing with all your friends and uh, having a good season and finish out strong, you know, that was, you know, one of my better memories, I guess, my my playing anyway. And you were a shortstop and a pitcher, correct, Tim? Correct, yep. Did you have any performances on the mound or put up any uh, great numbers at the plate that stand out to you? Did you win any conference accolades when you were there or was that way too long to remember? I don't remember a lot of that as much as some of my friends, they can remember, Oh, I remember this play with this game against. So I don't remember a lot of that, but I got, you know, I was, I was all conference in high school. I got all district. I played in the, you know, the all-star game that they have in high school, but you know, in high school, you know, no perfect games, no, no hitters or anything like that. I'd say no. 
we'll get into the perfect game and, and the no hitters a little later. But why did you choose to go to the University of Dubuque baseball program? What stood out about that program that uh, made you want to make your mark on that program? Well, the main reason was my mom worked at the University of Dubuque. So for me to go to school there, she was, uh, you know, nine of the 12 months. So I had 75% off tuition. So that was a main reason there. Um, I knew a little bit about the baseball program as my mom worked there, you know, and went to a couple of games up there. Um, so that was the main reason I wanted to stay in town. I, I like Dubuque and, you know, kind of want to stay in Dubuque. So that's why I chose University of Dubuque. Well, that's good to know that you're not in your 40s still paying off those student loans. But yeah, anybody that has an opportunity to go to college for free. Now, you left your mark on the University of Dubuque program. When you graduated, you were the all-time record holder in batting average at a career mark of 387, hits 199, runs 119, total bases 246, at bats 514, games played 148, and defensive assist at 320. Which record would you be most proud of and why? Well, for me, it's, you know, not individual. It's always a team game. So, you know, my individual batting and, uh, I mean, that's all great and everything. But for me as a coach and for me, you know, as a player, I always strive to, you know, play good defense and I stress good defense and giving teams three outs and inning and all all that stuff. So I'd say, you know, probably my defensive, you know, assists record, if I had to pick one, would be the one that I like the best. During your time at the University of Dubuque, you did rack up a whole bunch of individual awards and also still hold some records today. But what are some of your fondest memories from playing at the University of Dubuque? Well, at the University of Dubuque, there were you know plenty of local guys that also went to school there with me. Um, there were also across you know across town at Loris, some of the, you know our good friends that also were going there. So anytime it's UD or Loris games, those are always you know fun games. Just kind of similar to you know high school as you get those inner city games. It's you know kind of similar with that you know playing against your you know buddies from different schools, whatever that you grew up playing in Pent League against. So. It was kind of the same thing with UD. There were plenty of local guys that were also still playing. So my best memories are just, you know, playing against those guys and doing well in the tournament and, you know, playing with, you know, all the guys that you're going to school with. I could be wrong, but did you play with uh, Hempstead varsity coach Jeff Rapp at UD or was he a little bit uh, older or younger or not in the program at that time? <laughs> Yes, I believe I played with Jeff. His senior year would have been my freshman year. So I think we had one year together. Tony Ponce was also there. So I think I played two years with Tony. But, uh, yeah, I believe Jeff and Tony were both there um, when I was playing there. How about Coach Casey Bryant from Western Dubuque? I believe he went to UD as well. Did you play with him or? I did not play with Casey. I I guess I'm not sure where he went. I love how uh, how quick you were to let everybody know that you are younger than Coach Jeff Rapp, that you played there when he was a freshman and, and you were a senior. And I know being in that Hempstead dugout, you guys are very good friends, but on the field, uh, very competitive. 
and always uh, wanted to do whatever it took to beat the other guy in those big inner city games. After you got done playing at the University of Dubuque, you went into coaching. Where did you get your start in coaching baseball, and how long did it take you to work up the ranks to become the varsity coach at senior high school? Well, right when I graduated senior, after my, you know, after my UD season, I went back and I volunteered, uh, coached already that first year. So I helped out the freshmen. I was just a volunteer. Uh, then after the one year of volunteer, then I had a base position, and I was anywhere from, you know, assistant, you know, sophomore coach, well, helping out there. But I was a sophomore coach. I was assistant varsity coach. I was a freshman coach. So I coached at all three of the levels before I got the head varsity job. And I, I believe I was doing that for 12 years. And then after 12 years in the senior program, when uh, Mike Fleming decided to, you know, retire, then I, you know, stepped in and I was varsity coach for 14 years after that. It seemed when I think of senior baseball, I think of you and I think of your face on that senior baseball program. I can't believe it took that many years uh, for you to be the head coach because I remember just as a little kid and then playing and then coaching it seemed like you were always the varsity coach but Mike Fleming he did he did a nice job before before you took the reins now we're going to have some audience questions here Tim if you don't mind answering them Chris Winter wants to know what was your biggest disappointment and the team that you coach that had the most potential? Well, I'd say, you know, biggest disappointment would be we made it to a handful of sub-state finals, never could get over the hump and make to the state tournament. So we played some great games, and I guess my biggest disappointment would just be, you know, not winning any of those sub-state final games. I mean, we like I said, we had some great games and just couldn't get over the top and and all that. And I'm sure with Chris asking the question, he's probably waiting for me to say that his senior year, he was pitching a tournament game. We were up by oh, seven or eight runs. I ended up pulling him because I wanted to save him for later. The other team started coming back. So then I needed to put Chris back into pitch again. So, you know, if you could get a win and a save in the same game, Chris probably would have got that because we ended up still winning that game. I don't know if that's possible, but we did have a guy from Dyersville Beckman this season who did get the win and a save in an extra inning game. I'll have to check varsity bound to to see what happened. But what teams – and what players, reflecting back on your many years of coaching, would you say had, had the most potential? And who were some of the guys that, that you coached that had outstanding high school careers and then went on to have good uh, college careers as well? I'd say uh, the top two teams that I had, at least win-wise, was in 2014, we had 26 wins. In 2016, we had 25 wins. So those are the two that, you know, stood out the most. I know 2016, we were 18 and 8 in the conference, you know, so I had a good season there. Uh, pushed a lot of great players when I was that senior, a lot of them that went through and, you know, did, did good things. Um, the ones, I guess, that had most success at college, you know, anywhere from, you know, Jacob Perman, who I know you've had on as a guest, you know, Connor Grant was a great player, Austin Clemens, you know, was a good player, but, you know, those are, you know, kind of a lot more of the recent ones. I mean, David Jaynes went on, did well in college and 
I mean, there's so many, I, I can't really name all of them. I hate to leave people out, but um, we've had a lot of good, you know, players kind of go through, you know, senior high school in the past. I think back to 2014 and how exciting of a year that was for baseball. Um, I was on the Hempstead varsity staff that went to state. We were ranked number one for pretty much the whole year. Senior was in and out of the of the top 10 as well. And you guys ended our 19 game winning streak. Sam Knoll shut us down. I, I believe it was 2-1. And what I always liked about Sam is, wow, what a great kid. What a what a humble kid. I've never spoke to him off of the baseball field, but that uh, that was one of the best high school games I, I think I've, I've ever been a part of. Do you remember that game at Hempstead when you guys beat us? I do remember that game. And mainly, like you said, because you guys had that long winning streak. And, and I knew Sam, you know, he was, he's a competitor. He's a bulldog and he's going out there and he had good off speed and, you know, we kind of figured, well, we're going to, you know, throw plenty of off speed against you guys because you guys could all hit the ball, you know, very well. And obviously with winning 19 games in a row, that really showed. That was that, a good game. That was the year where a Dubuque team was going to go to state. I remember being very frustrated because we were in the same sub-state bracket as you guys. And you guys were ranked 10 in the state and we were ranked – number one and I did not want to play you guys because you guys had Clemens and you guys had Noel and you guys could hit the ball extremely well and even though we had the better record and we were ranked higher I think if if uh, we played each other 10 times you guys would win five and and we would win five and when Clinton knocked you guys out I remember going home and cracking a bottle of champagne that we didn't have to see uh Clemens and Noel because uh that would have been a huge disappointment to us now Ryan Jantz and this is a good question because a lot of parents and a lot of players and kids that are inspiring to be coaches listen to this podcast what is your biggest headache or worst headaches as a coach. Now, I know that what parents and players see, that is maybe 50% of the job. But what all goes into coaching and what would have been your biggest headaches for you as a coach? Well, yeah, that's a good question, Nick. I mean, and for me, you know, you get, you know, parent complaints, which it, which is part of it. I always understood that's part of it. And you know, that's always going to happen. You can only play, you know, nine kids in a game, 10 with a DH. But just watching the kids at practice, working hard, you know, watching the kids have great attitudes, picking up their teammates all the time and all that stuff, all that, you know, stuff kind of away from just the game situations that only the parents and everybody else see, um, that when you get good kids and you have a good program and kids are doing things the right way, you know, that kind of always gets lost because all all people see are what happens in a game. Oh, why, why is he not uh, doing well there? So for me, it's, you know, kind of the whole thing put together. I mean, kids' body language on the field, kids' body language on the mound. If they throw a pitch, a borderline pitch that they think should have been a strike, how do they react? You know, especially when things are not going their way, you know, you still want to, you know, react their right way. And that's always kind of the thing that I always try to, you know, instill in the kids and say, hey, you know, act like you've been here before, you know, show good body language and all that. So for me, you know, 
just just all that kind of put together. Yeah, and you mentioned that, and there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that, that people don't realize with the field work and the bus schedule and the makeup games and making sure the umpires show up and fundraising and, and a lot of that stuff that that people don't even see. If, if I could just coach baseball, I, I would still be doing it, but it, it became uh, so much more and... It, it became a lot more time and, and gave me an opportunity to, to venture into this. Now, remind the audience how many years you were the varsity coach at senior. And then I want to follow that up with you had shared one of your biggest disappointments was you were never able to guide a team to the state tournament. What stood in the way of some of those top teams getting to the state tournament? Well, for me, I was the head coach for 14 years. I think 2004 would have been my first year as the head coach. Um, and that was like Chris Winter, who talked earlier. He was on, you know, on that first team, whatever. So we had a good group, you know, that season. But um, going back, you know, some of the, you know, games that we had, I remember, you know, we had so many close games going in the tournament. And, uh, you know, one, for example, as a, you know, as I kind of look back, in 2016, which would have been my second last year, we lost one to nothing in the sub-state final against Davenport West. You know, so that was a big game. They scored one run in the first inning. That was the only run scored in the game. You know, they have one good pitcher, and you know he shut us out. We had a couple, you know, opportunities, but you know, never, never got over it. You know, back in 2012, um, we had sub-state final game against Iowa City West, and they beat us four to two in nine innings. I remember that was at West. That was a great game, and. You know, just, uh, you know, couldn't get on top there. Uh, one game I remember at PV, this would have been a first-round game, I guess. You know, wouldn't have been sub-state final, but we didn't have the greatest season. Uh, we were at PV, um, playing the game, got rain, and all of a sudden, you know, we had a rain delay. We ended up playing 12 innings and got out, didn't get out there till like midnight, but we won 3-2 to two in 12 innings. So, you know, throughout the years, we've had a lot of great games, Um and like I said, it just, you know, I'm fortunate not to get over the hump and get that, you know, sub-state final win to get to the state tournament because that was always, you know, our goal every year is to, to make state. The difficult thing, too, is once you get to the tournament, sub-state, everybody generally has one good pitcher who can shut anybody out at any time. I talked about your 2014 team and you guys lost to Clinton, which had Cole Pennock, who was a big, tall, six seven left-hander who went on to, to the University of Iowa. Thank you for uh, stretching him out for those seven innings. So uh, when he came back against us, he didn't have anything. We, we talked about some of the, the disappointments and some of the frustrations. We have to talk about some of your fondest memories because Looking back on your career and looking back and reflecting, I have so many more positive experiences and memories than I do negative ones. What are some of the memories that stand out to you, Tim? Well, to me, it's always, you know, kind of with the kids, you know, you you have a kid at the beginning of the season and, you know, he might be, you know, kind of an okay player and just to watch each, each kid individually, 
just blossom and improve throughout the season and get better. To me, it's always, you know, kind of where they start, you know, to where they finish throughout the season. And even to see some of these kids, as I'm going to watch these freshman games, you know, when I was coaching and seeing, okay, yep, he's, he's a guy who could maybe, you know, step in and he's, you know, maybe going to be our center fielder down the road or whatever the case might be. And just to watch the guys develop throughout the year and throughout their career, actually, as they come to senior, you know, and play baseball. But for me, it's always, you know, kind of the kids and just watching that and seeing that. And inner city games are always fun. I mean, those are always good memories, you know, where the kids get a chance to play against their friends that they played in independently with or went to school with throughout the years and also went to a different high school. So the inner city games and to me, just the individual development of all the kids, you know, throughout the years are things that I look back and enjoy. I agree with that 100%. And I'm sure you've gotten invitations to weddings and uh, get to connect with with the players outside of the baseball field as as they've matured and, and grown into younger men. Now, Tim, you and I have coached against each other uh, many for many years, and you are one that I absolutely love to beat and uh, would get upset even in seventh grade basketball uh, when you would beat me. And it's just both of us just being uh, very competitive. I was really surprised when I read that article that, that you were stepping down. I, I truly thought you were going to be the senior coach on the varsity until your son Easton had gone through the program. What what um, made you decide to take a step back and um, and not coach high school baseball anymore? Well, if I uh, went to have any daughters, I'd probably still be coaching, you know, at senior high school. So the main reason I decided not to do it was when my oldest daughter, Brianna, was golfing in high school. They have spring golf. And I'm missing all of her golf meets because of all my baseball games and as much as I love baseball, as much as I love the kids and the coaching part of it, it was a tough decision. But in order for me to be able to see her, you know, compete in those meets, I'm like, you know what, for me, for our family, this is what I need to do. And and my family had a hard time with it too. I mean, even Brianna, you know, for me being able to watch her, you know, she's, you know, teary eyed, you know, knowing because they love going up, riding on the golf cart, dragging the field and going up with me, you know, watching games. So, you know, we, we lived up at senior, so we were up there all the time. So for me, you know, that was a tough decision, but in order to, to, to watch my girls golf, cause you know, Brianna now is a, you know, going to be a sophomore in college. And, uh, my second daughter, Kylie will be a senior this year, you know, on the golf team. So I'm lucky enough now that I'm the head coach. This is my second year as the head coach. I was a assistant before that. And, uh, like I said, that was the main reason. And now that Easton, you know, will be an eighth grader next year, then they'll step in and start hopefully playing at senior here come soon. And Tim, it was a family affair from uh, your parents being there to all of your uh, family members being there. Uh, it was always great to connect with your mom, who was my preschool teacher at <laughs> Allison Henderson. And, you know, you, I, I see the pictures on, on Facebook. You're, you're a great father. And I see you traveling all over the Midwest to, to watch your, your daughter golf. And I know at Roosevelt this school year, I had a, one of those, I'm really getting old moments when I saw your daughter at Roosevelt 
to find out that she's uh, working there that day as a substitute para. So, um, and she's she's a phenomenal kid. So you, uh, I, I think you, you, you made a good choice there. And I know looking at, at reflecting on my life and, you know, two children, an 11-year-old and an eight-month-old, I... I missed a lot of my daughter's stuff, and I haven't missed anything of of my eight month olds and it's it's a tough decision to make now, if we didn't talk about semi pro the semi pro audience would hammer me on this because um they are very passionate, and we have two very strong leagues in the area. Audience question here Russell Bola mentions, and I quote, "Legend says you hit a hole in one, pitched a no hitter." and bowled a 300 game in the same calendar year, end quote. Any truth to that? If so, walk us through each one, the hole-in-one, the no-hitter, and the 300. Uh, that is not true. It's, it's not all in the same calendar year. I mean, I do have, I do have all three of them. You know, I pitched a perfect game. Um, I've got uh, two hole-in-ones now, and I've got, you know, a couple, you know, perfect – or. Uh, or I got one 300 game. So I don't remember the years, but no, they were not all in the same calendar year, but you know, getting a hole in one, it's, you know, it's great. I I'd love to golf. I still golf, whatever. But to me, it's, you know, kind of more lucky that you, you know, get it, you know, in the cup, whatever. So, you know, yes, I've gotten lucky a couple of times. Um, bowling, you know, that one's a tough one too. And, you know, you know, to get those 12 strikes and, I always kind of joked with my wife and said, you know, hey, if I ever get 300, I'll finally quit because bowling season is such a long season that uh, you're gone a lot. And so when I did get a 300, she so go, okay, you told me you're going to quit. So that was my last season of uh, bowling league. But I, I just enjoy all the sports and playing all the sports and, you know, throwing perfect games. I mean, to me, that's, you know, kind of the one I like the met the best because, if you don't have good defense behind you, if you don't have good teammates, you know, that's not going to happen. So for me, you know, kind of being a team guy and wanting to, you know, do well with the team, that will, you know, perfect games are the ones that I, I like to best. Were there any close calls in that perfect game? Was there a borderline pitch that may have gone your way? Was there a borderline call at first base that may have gone your way was there was there a diving catch a, a play in the hole anything that you remember well I remember there was one it was a three two pitch you know and for me as a pitcher I'm always trying to avoid three ball counts I tell my kids that all the time to stay away from three ball counts you don't want to take a chance to watch them so I remember there was one that was a borderline call and luckily I, I got the call whatever because there's a full count and end up striking them out but that could have went either way I remember there was one bang bang play at first that you know that we got, but um, guys are always making good plays in the field. So it's just you know, like I said, you throw a perfect game, everything has to go right. Your your teammates really got to pick you up in that too. So I'm sure I, I had plenty of help in that game as well. Who is the perfect game against? It was in the Rickersville tournament, the first one I threw um, against uh, East Dubuque. During your 300, how many Brooklyns? Um. I don't think I had any, actually. I'm just asking that because I want to show Russell that that I know bowling. Um, <laughs> but you are right. That bowling season is brutal. 33 weeks. Uh, I remember 6 o'clock till 9.30 every Wednesday. I was, I was glad to start my master's degree to where I could, I could <laughs> give that up. 
I, this is coming into my head. I'm not sure if, if I'm right on this, but did you pitch that game against Mitch Williams? Yes. Yeah. Do you have that on your resume that you beat Mitch Williams in a semi-pro game? Well, I don't really use a resume for anything anymore, but that was, a, I mean, that was a great game. And, and for us, you know, we, we were lucky enough being Rickardsville to get a play again out there in, in the Worthington tournament and to see all those fans and all the people that were out there. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And I had heard that's what it used to be like back, you know, back in the day with, you know, semi-pro baseball, they used to get a lot more fans than what they get now. But, uh, you know, playing against Mitch Williams and, you know, him batting against me because I was the one pitching there at that game as well, too. It was just, I mean, that was, that was a fun game, especially when we beat him too that game. So that was a lot of fun. That was my first semi-pro experience was going out with Brian Pins to to watch that game. And that was that was a lot of fun. I believe he drilled the, the first hitter. And I don't know if that was set up or if that was if that was uh, planned or, or what had happened. How long did you play for the Rickardsville A's, Tim? Uh, Rickardsville, I played for 25 years. Um, so I didn't start with Rickardsville until, you know, I got to college. You know, a good friend of mine, BJ Lightfree, played at UD with me, and he was on Rickardsville. So he's the one that got me started there at Rickardsville. But I played for the Dubuque Angels. I played for the Dubuque Pilots um, before I went out there. So I played, you know, played with them, you know, also before I started with Rickardsville. Besides the perfect game, what would be your greatest memories and performances that stood out to you? Well, back when I was playing, um, Thayersville tournament was always one of the bigger tournaments. So Rickardsville could, you know, seem like when we were playing, never get over a hump. So finally, we, you know, won the Rickardsville or won the Thayersville tournament. Um, and, you know, we had a big celebration. I think we were out till, you know, heck two in the morning at a, one of the players' houses, you know, that tournament. And we, we didn't do that for any other tournament, but, you know, we kind of went out and celebrated and, and had that. So for me, that was one of the bigger ones just because it was always, you know, the biggest tournament with, the, you know, the pageant and, and all that stuff they always had with it. Recently, you uh, came out of retirement and played with your son, Easton. Saw that picture floating on Facebook. Uh, how did you do? How did he do? And what kind of emotions do you have putting that uniform back on and suiting up with your son? Well, I mean, that was always one thing that I'd, I wanted to do was, to, you know, play with, with Easton. And, you know, with him being 13 years old, I didn't know how soon it would work. But you know, it seems like, you know, Lenny, you know, who's been with Rickardsville forever, he just celebrated his 50th year, you know, kind of out at Rickardsville. But uh, Lenny's a guy that I'd do anything for. And when he says, you know, hey, we need a couple of guys, could you, could you come out and play? So so we were able to, you know, go out and play at Farley. You know, Farley's always one of the better teams. So it's always, you know, going to be a tough one when you're playing there. And so all of a sudden Lenny goes, well, you know, Feldy, by the way, you're, you're betting leadoff. Lenny, I haven't played in three years, so. So not only am I playing, but I, I'm batting lead off. So um, I'm like, okay, well, I want to, you know, be ready to, you know, hopefully not strike out at least my first at bat. So I'm like, I'm, I'm swinging right. So I was lucky enough. I hit the first pitch. I got a base hit. Um, but, you know, we lost game three to two, you know, Easton, uh, Easton scored one of the runs. I actually uh, hit him in whatever. I, I was lucky enough to be two for four that game. Um 
came in to pitch. I threw one inning in the seventh, so I had to pitch an inning as well too. But uh, it just, you know, it's fun when you can play with, with your son or any of your kids and a little different than getting to coach them. Now you get to kind of be on the field with them. So that's that was a lot of fun. Playing Farley and losing to that very good club, uh, three to two, and people that are younger listening to this, I, I don't think you really understand how good – of, of an athlete and good of a baseball player uh, Tim Felderman was. I mean, he said he hadn't played in three years and goes two for four against a top team. And um, I, I'm pretty sure could could still play. Now, Tim, this is the last question. It's going to be a three-parter before we hit into that podcast-killing double play. What are you doing now? Are you still coaching and is there a chance that we might see you back on a high school staff before it's all said and done? Well, what I'm doing now is I'm coaching um, my son Easton in the independent league. So he's got one more year next year left. I, I coach the Dubuque Reds. Um, I also coach a 13U travel team uh, where the Dubuque Hornets. So I coach Easton on that as well, too. So. I'm still, you know, getting plenty of coaching that way. I'm still obviously coaching, you know, at Roosevelt. I see you over at Roosevelt, so we're still at Roosevelt coaching basketball and uh, coaching the boys and girls golf team at senior. I'm doing both of those. Boys are in the fall and the girls are in the spring. Um, and with Easton heading over to senior, you know, to play baseball, you know, hopefully next year. Um, I can't say right now what I'll be doing. I mean, you know, yes, you know, once the, you know, my daughters are here out of high school, you know, I got one more year with Kylie there. If the opportunity arose, maybe I'd want to come back, but I guess, you know, I, I'd have to consider it and, and do that because baseball gets to be, you know, it's, it's a long season. It's uh, a lot of time. You're going to all the freshman games. You're, you know, kind of showing up at one o'clock for batting practice, hopping on the bus and getting back at 11 or 12 o'clock from a doubleheader at Iowa City West or whatever the case might be. So um, as I'm getting older and, you know, still want to, you know, get out and hit the golf course and have some free time, you know, it, it would cross my mind, it, you know, to coach again, but it, it's hard to say. I, I'm i enjoying my time right now. anyway. Tim Felderman, thank you for joining us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast, 643. We're out of here. Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media. Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.